This is the Mission Control Podcast. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, <laughs> afternoon, or night. Uh, episode 54 of Mission Control. We're going to stop numbering them after a while, but I, I, I still think it's too early. What do you think? It, it is funny that it's episode uh, 54 because Sam here actually predicted it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. <laughs> Pulled it out of the ether. Um, Johnny's here all the way from Melbourne. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on holiday. On holiday, yeah. away from the big the big smoke <laughs> of Melbourne. Um, and Sam Mars here. Hello. Hey. Did I say your second name right? Yeah, most yeah. people say... Like Bill Ma. Most people say Maha. Ma- Maha. But I've, you know, I thought it was obvious it's Ma, but apparently not. Yeah. Ah, there yeah. you go. Um, I know, I've known you for... Well, the first time we met, we were playing at Park Life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's weird. It um, is weird. That was how many years ago? I can't remember which uh, Park Life that was. 2009? Um, I think I was 20 years old, so it would have been 2010. What are we, like 40 now? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, that. That was in um, the Wellington thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah that, I, that was when it used to... I might have been yeah. working that one. Yeah, who, who, who headlined that park life? Oh, I, can't I think Missy Elliott was there. I remember Sam. Dandy Warhols were there. Yep, yep. Um, no, that's right. Dandy Warhols, Missy Elliott. Um, was also, Pe- Santa Gold was there? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, was Peaches there at all? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Because it might have been one of those park lives. I just remember being on stage because I was working there doing all the, the backline mm-hmm. changeovers and that. And I think I must have drank about seven Red Bulls in a row working. Jesus. Oh, yeah. That Did I found myself. Huh? Did you get the come down? <laughs> I don't know, but I found myself on the on the front of the stage, dancing to the crowd, like in front of the speakers. That was crazy. Hopped up on Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's tripping. <laughs> um, but since then, man, you've been around the world, right? Yeah, I have. I've just returned from well, two months ago, returned from thirteen months in South America and Central America. Wow, on a bit of a. Um, busking adventure and yeah. volunteering adventure. You got some great photos, man. You've been, yeah. you've, been, you've done like a lifetime's worth of traveling. Well, I'm like considering I got robbed three times and actually lost about three and a half thousand photos. I'm surprised to see <laughs> how many photos people have actually seen. Gee, yeah, I saw that. Um, I saw that post of yours. So your laptop got s- stolen? Um, or was it, it was, a camera or I had a whole like bag? My, it was my camera, which had a couple of SD cards in it. And the stuff that I'd backed up to my iPad um, all disappeared when I, my iPad just decided to shit itself one day. Jeez. Yeah. So that was, that was a bit rough. But at least the you know internet these days, you can still whip it up online. The cloud. <laughs> the cloud. Nothing's ever really deleted. I never deleted. used the cloud. It was the day that I woke up. I was like, all right, today's the day I need to back this stuff up on the iCloud. Never used it before. And that was the day, funnily enough, that it wiped itself. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Just go searching through Flickr. So, I, I, yeah, I took that photo. <laughs> yeah. You'd be amazed at how much stuff just winds its way onto the internet. I know. That you've never posted. I know. Or if you, have you ever Google searched your, like, your own name before? Just for kids. I have. I have. <laughs> and there's, you're on, like, I see myself on all these, like, there are these weird third-party kind of sites where they rip data from other sites, like Instagram, and then, like, host it 
on their own kind of server. Yeah. So they're literally just dumping or, or making copies of all these social networks. Yeah, it's networking. getting like kind of creepy. I've been contemplating maybe just wiping my identity from the internet, even though I know it's not actually going to disappear. They sort of just store it like yeah. laying dormant on the side. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I- I'd love to delete my face well deactivate rather because it doesn't really get deleted mm-hmm. but um it's just too i don't know I, I hook up too much stuff through facebook man like just talking to people <laughs> yeah, so no but that's the problem right i know <laughs> no more conversation actually the, the there was the an interesting thing that happened last night my girlfriend was in the car and she pocket dialed triple zero oh shit and they rang her back saying like you know is this lisa are you okay this is your address, 20 Harwood, are you, uh, we know you're not there, like, are you under distress? So all from just a pocket dial, they somehow knew information about where she was, what her new address was. Yeah, they can triangulate mm. that, just just with cell towers, like, they've been able to do that since the 90s, like, a lot of FBI crime stuff that I watch is, like, they've literally triangulated someone just from a text or something, mm. and it hits, it has to hit a tower, therefore they can get a rough idea of where you are but that's insane mm. so they call back like straight away and, straight away yeah and then she felt really bad like oh no i'm fine <laughs> that, that, all they heard was something about she was talking about lemons for some reason like <laughs> what's the thing with the lemons is that code <laughs> <laughs> code word emergency word hostage hostage <laughs> um that's insane so it was like mainly in the americas that you traveled yeah or? pretty much um we started in costa rica um in central america uh, with no actual plan, and we ended up making our way down to northern Patagonia. That's probably as far south as we got in Argentina and Chile. Mm-hmm. And then um, went to New York for a little bit, and then... And you actually bust in the uh, the subway. Yeah, got deeply, <laughs> deeply involved in the New York subway scene. <laughs> it definitely is a scene, and I yeah. honestly th- call out to any do- filmmakers, documentary makers, um, to capture what's going on down there, because there's a lot of tension a lot of rivalry mm-hmm. and um and a lot of talent man a lot of talent yeah. like it's almost ridiculous to see what goes on down there yeah yeah and a war between the the authorities and the people that jump trains into each station it's it's really exciting yeah okay <laughs> like everything in new york you know everything's so pe- exciting. people without a license trying to like mm. get some money on the down low and shit yeah well i mean you've got like the you've got the people that are licensed to be there yeah and then did you have a license? Oh, of course not. <laughs> Never have. <laughs> and then, you know, you've got the people that jump to the stations and then you've got the authorities running around all, all over them. It's just awesome. You could sit down for 15 minutes at a time before you have to leave straight away. Right, okay. And there's people that have been doing it for like 50 years and if you sit down in their spot, like even the... The commuters are just like, hey, man, like, I'm, you're not supposed to be there. That's, wow. that's this guy's spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I see this guy every morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. But you, you made, like, quite a few yeah, bucks. Yeah, New it? York. New York was crazy, actually, and it came at the best time because it was uh, nine months into the trip and I was pretty much almost broke. So okay. that kept me going for another three or four months, just what I made in New York. It was about 200 US dollars an hour. If I got a spot. Wow. That's yeah. all right. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But, um, you know, in all the other countries, especially like the third world countries, you wouldn't make heaps, but it would all be relative to what it costs there. So, like, I would almost always pay for accommodation and food. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, like, the experiences you got just by trying to communicate with people not knowing the language and just sitting down and playing and somehow establishing a connection with the most foreign 
uh, f- like different people than what you were used to. It was quite amazing. Mm. Yeah, that would have been uh, interesting socially just to see how people respond to music yeah. and kind of develop a, a connection through that. Yeah, even like- though you, you can't speak each other's language but you can still kind of communicate on another that was level. sort of the thing that really kept me going because it wasn't going to be as long as it was but i just i got deeply immersed in it mm-hmm. and a lot of experiences came from just meeting people on the streets and tr- just agreeing to anything they offered you know like okay. come stay in my shack in the mountains in the middle <laughs> of nowhere it's like okay like riding tuk-tuks all the way out there you know like just just things like that just yeah. going with it and like totally immersing yourself in sometimes the most difficult and dodgy situations yeah yeah i was gonna actually ask you about that were there any moments where you were like i think shit's gonna go down oh shit yeah there was there was a fair few of those but um nothing ever escalated to anything too too horrible like you'll find generally in the world um there's a sense of paranoia wherever you are especially as westerners but (laughs) um yeah it was always cool like people are always willing to be just cool yeah people are nice yeah, well, once you bust out the instrument, I bet. Yeah, you're like, exactly. All right, this guy's cool. It's definitely yeah. a peacekeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just playing music, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, so people seem to reason with you for some reason because of this instrument in particular as well. Um, I don't know, like, especially homeless. The homeless just get gravitate towards it. And it's really bizarre because sometimes you get, you know, treated with hostility by these sort of people, but. Mm-hmm not with this and yeah it was crazy for that exact thing to happen in another language as well like the yeah. total barrier between it because yeah i guess you don't know the dynamics of the communities right so when you just yeah. show up with an instrument i yeah. bet you some people that have lived there all their life are like who the fuck is this guy right. well there was one case like the the worst thing that happened while i was busking um there was all these protests going on in this village about um all these westerners that have come and like bought mcmansions and stuff and Mm. the difference in wage between what they do and the locals the indigenous that live there um they were having this huge protest and i I saw it as just this big festival you know of locals i was like oh great it's gonna be so good to busk at so i sat down and started doing my thing not realizing that i was exactly the worst person that they could see making money in front of them yeah. um and i pretty much got cornered by a by a gang and uh got punched and um Shit. had to get myself out of there thanks to a military policeman wow so <laughs> okay i learned pretty quickly of how to be a little bit careful you know where you're sitting down yeah yeah because you don't know like the context in which you're they, exactly. they might like, perceive you you right? have to really pay attention to the cultural problems in a lot of these countries that was in yeah. panama um because you know a lot of those places people are super unhappy especially with americans yeah. um for for many reasons mostly historical <laughs> well, definitely yeah. yeah i mean they've just been sanctioned and mm. all this political stuff behind the scenes yeah and it's like, stuff that you don't really think about until you go to the country and you see the effects of what the past has yeah, done yeah you, you see the poverty in front yeah. of you and you're like oh this is what yeah it like this is the other side of the coin yeah for us to have shiny shit mm. and people this are, is what people has to happen angry, you know people yeah. are angry about that sort of stuff but i i don't know i, th- I found it like completely expanding expansive i should say yeah going there and being amongst it and never had too much trouble which is great (laughs) (laughs) these the the south american places were they like big big city places or more sort of like small yeah some of them were like um colombia and argentina and chile and they're they're 
they've got huge cities, really, really big cities. But then I spent two months in Bolivia, which is a country that, like, aesthetically, it is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. uh, Mostly made up of villages. There's no real roads. It's all dirt roads, pretty much. Um, Everything takes, like, 25 hours to drive in between. Um, So, yeah, it was a huge... It was a huge... um, difference between places we weren't we would always try to get off the beaten track anyway so we spent a lot of our time in like smaller villages and mm. camping wild camping yeah because every time i think of south america i just think jungle you know just yeah, like well, chasing yeah. big snakes and the stuff. amazon is a totally massive chunk of that land mass like mm. two times as big as australia maybe three times of just jungle yeah. which mm. is ridiculous when you really think about it um and i guess because of the the whole poverty situation down there, like a lot of cartels would run the, the towns, right? Yeah, a lot of the money would not come so from much, not so much in um in like the southern areas of South America, but definitely concentrated in Colombia and mostly all the way through Central America, leading up to US, because you've got Colombia, which is the main producer, cocaine. Yeah, yeah, definitely cocaine. Um. It's the main producer and then, you know, the main consumer, US. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Central America, the bridge between them. So that whole area, you just, yeah, it's, it's controlled by like FARC soldiers and the US Army undercover is there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like the rebel groups and you've got the people producing cocaine. Yeah. Um, it's not really in your face as a tourist, but if you went to the wrong area, then you'd definitely yeah. notice it. <laughs> I'd assume a lot of that coke ends up in uh, Los Angeles. Right? Yeah, it does. I was actually like... All I the s- rich people. <laughs> I sailed from Panama to Colombia on a boat with a pi- like a literal I love how, you, how casual you just say that stuff. I know, it's like... It feels, I sailed there on the boat, man. <laughs> it feels odd to say. But it's this. it was this Turkish captain who I think is an, a modern-day actual pirate, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was smuggling coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He had like 16 people crammed onto this 25-foot boat mm-hmm. um, for seven days, and he just goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, right. and just takes backpackers on with him for bit of cash yeah right okay but um there's many ways to transport it through and you can definitely <laughs> notice the shady characters when you're around there yeah. a bit of cash and you put this in your butt hole <laughs> <laughs> stick this up your butt <laughs> um i've actually yeah i've seen docos on how they make like cocaine down there and um because like a lot of yeah a lot of rich people will pay uh high premium to get like the good stuff yeah assuming that it's uh like pure but every form of cocaine is cut with something pretty dodgy yeah (laughs) like i i yeah even i had like this idea that there's a there would be a way to get pure like good cocaine not that i've been contemplating like trying (laughs) but you, you know like there's always that myth going around like yeah you can get it really clean but it, yeah, I've seen how they made it, and mm. it's like it's pretty horrendous. Like they're scraping barrels, basically. Yeah, they scrape it off barrels. Like. That's pretty horrible. <laughs> like they they actually in Colombia they run cocaine tours where you can actually go to the farms and watch the production. And I I didn't do it myself, but I've met I met people on my way that did do it, and they said after you after you've been there, you don't even want to touch the stuff nah, after you see what they do. The, well, they, yeah, like this dude was like pouring gasoline into a barrel and like yeah. heating it boiling it and like all this other shit that you never would have thought mm. uh, cocaine would have in it but um i chewed um i chewed a lot of coca leaves which is like 
basically the natural fundamental ingredient of it yeah. um it's like illegal in a lot of countries but culturally in places like bolivia they they chew it for altitude sickness okay and it numbs your mouth and it's i got altitude altitude sickness really bad one day and a local guy just like put this bunch of leaves in my hand and like shoved it in my mouth and it it truly worked like yeah. it just really got rid of the headaches eased me and Except I couldn't talk properly because I, my mouth was numb. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they know heaps of natural mm-hmm. tricks if you're living out there. Yeah. Did you get like a kind of a buzz from it, or? Um, you don't really get a buzz. It's more. It's it's like a relaxant. It's like an anesthetic. Kind yeah, of, yeah, pretty much. I think they. His, like back in the day they actually did used to use it as an anesthetic for like dentistry and stuff yeah like yeah or like a painkiller maybe yeah yeah you could probably like rub it on a wound to i'm not sure like but you see a lot of people chewing it mm. like a lot of people do it's part of their culture um so what were you that high up in the yeah the highest that i slept was probably i sleep high all the time <laughs> <laughs> The highest altitude that yeah. I slept was like 6,000 meters, I think. Okay. 6'2". So in f- what's that in feet? Uh, it's high. Well, okay, <laughs> it's remember, high. remember Death Valley? Yeah. When we were coming out of Death Valley up the very top looking into the canyon, mm-hmm. that was about 3,000 feet. Okay. <clears throat> so double that pretty much. Yeah. That'd wow, be, okay. Jesus. Six kilometers in the air, basically, from yeah. sea. So what, what What are the symptoms of altitude sickness? Um, I, it hit me in a day, and then it disappeared. It was, like, extreme hallucinations, but not, not visual, more just, like, when I went to bed. Just Hear, hearing things? And, yeah, yeah, just dreams coming in and out, like, really vividly. Um, a super bad headache and mm-hmm. vomiting. Okay. Um, and it sort of sucked, because I was so high in the air. I was in a tent, and I was wearing pretty much next to nothing. And I'd have to go outside and vomit and, like, you know, when you have to rush, you have to get it out straight yeah. away. Um, standing in negative 10 degrees, just, oh. like, <laughs> freezes as soon as it comes out of your mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd assume dehydration would be a, a big risk, right? Yeah. If you I mean, that day in particular was pretty stupid. Like, um, we were hiking for six days or something, and the night before we got completely trashed because a friend came and visited me from melbourne and it was okay. a celebration so you were hungover and altitude sick. yeah and we'd been hiking all day like 12 hours and Jesus. then we got high altitude and we were like oh i don't know why i'm feeling so sick so it was it's a little bit my fault and a little bit altitude's fault I guess. so it, it all that is because the the air is like thinner right it's thinner yeah and so all those symptoms manifest just from Pretty much, because you, you can't get enough oxygen through your body. Right, okay, yeah. It's basically like starving your body of oxygen, yep. which, um, you know, we need to survive. And <laughs> I guess, like, when you're down here on, like, what do we call this? Sea level. Sea level, yeah. like, you're used to this level of oxygen, I guess. Yeah. For, that, for your whole life. Like, few, yeah. few people actually will go higher than that. Yeah, right? and it's really so. interesting to see the people that were born in high altitude, like the people, mm. the, the Andean um, indigenous, because... They um, are very small, yeah, and they've got huge, wide chests. Like their rib cages have spread out because they've got mm. massive lungs. Yeah, um, and it's sort of interesting to see, like, just basically being born in a certain environment totally affects a human. Yeah, um, mm. the same way it would did with you know like animals adapting to where they live. Yeah, because that's what we are. <laughs> I'd assume their fitness level would be like insane. Right? Oh man, they're crazy! Like 
watching you know 90 year olds still plowing the fields like yeah obviously looking old but still doing it still fit yeah, yeah. and because yeah. they have to because a lot of the places over there like they've had to work their whole life like physically mm. um you can't retire at 60 and get no. a pension right it's sort of inspiring in a way yeah. it was just like it made me feel like made me look at westerners like whoa we're, we're lazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're just like jobs now man yeah just sitting behind computers yeah that's all we do i know like right now i know <laughs> right now this is we're behind the computer right now we're sitting around yeah it's insane so um were there i guess any we talked about conflict so that mm-hmm. there was little of that but oh there was there was uh here and there there was conflict everywhere but you know we kept out of it because we was we were yeah. smart like we heard horror stories from other people and we did see stuff go down, but nothing that you have balls enough to interfere with. No way. Walking yeah. along, you see a van rock up, throw a bag on someone's head, drag them away, <laughs> yeah. drive off. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it did happen. <laughs> well, one day, like, I was in Colombia, and I was, like, a little bit paranoid. Colombia was actually the most amazing country, and people were super lovely, so I don't believe any of the rumors that you hear. But I first got there, I was really paranoid, and I was walking down the city, Bogota, which is a really dodgy city in certain ways. And, you know, those armoured vehicles that come to, like, recharge, you know, money in, in the banks and stuff, yeah. and they all come out with their guns? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in Colombia, they, they come out with, like, the biggest guns and, like, 50 men. And I was just sitting there, like, walking down the road with my iPod in, and I look up, and there's all these men surrounding me with guns, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I, to- I totally freaked out, and then I, I, I clicked that it was um, just those guys. <laughs> I would have shat myself. Yeah, it was, it was scary. But you get used to it, like... A lot of the places there, they've got armoured um, men, mm. basically, and chemists. Yeah. Because they have to. Mm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like, Colombia's very... Because old-day Colombia, when Pablo Escobar was running the country, mm-hmm. you know, he was the drug lord that provided for the people. But isn't Colombia very government-run now? Yeah, it and is. It is. Um, well, it's actually, like... It's hugely run by a lot of the um, criminals as well. Um the same as Mexico, like the cartels in Mexico have so much more power over the police. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a hostel, uh, two French guys were going to Mexico City, to catching a bus to Mexico City to get their plane out and they had all of their bags, everything. We said goodbye to them and then three hours later they came back totally distraught and we're like, what, what went on? And it was like, oh, well, a whole bunch of people um, ransacked the bus station smashed every bus robbed every bag took it hostage basically um and the police showed up to make an appearance and then they just got paid off and they left mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like and yeah, yeah. and that was that was all completely done because the bus station wouldn't pay their protection fee yeah. for the cartels so like basically the cartels just go around asking money for from people on protection money yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. if they don't do it they just they screw them and if the p- police come they just go well here's some money go away mm. so they've got like a complete power over them um but that's pretty specific to mexico and colombia mm. not everywhere yeah yeah <laughs> that's insane yeah um yeah, just the level of corruption in those, in those... I think, yeah, there's a big correlation between poverty and, obviously, corruption. Yeah. Because you've got people that are, I guess, desperate, and so they're... Yeah, but, man, South America has a long history of, of mm. corruption as well. But um, I'd assume the gangs are, like, equally as armed as the police, right? That's yeah. probably why they have the muscle <laughs> to be like, well, you, we're not going to shoot each other because we'll just 
kill each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've both got equal gun power. There's also right. like some kind of, like Honduras and El Salvador and stuff, they don't have a proper police force because mm. it's so corrupt. Mm. So they've got civilian police who just literally look like regular people yep. just walking around and they, they, can, they control towns in a really good way, you know, like they keep it safe, but they just look like your average Joes with yep. their mach- machine guns. Just like some states in America, you know, when, where they have like open carry yeah yeah <laughs> licenses and like they there are those like civilian militia people that yeah. go around the farms with guns and they're like i'm i'm protecting my property <laughs> like they, like they, they actually like yeah they're actually challenging the idea of police by going well if the police aren't going to do the work the civilians have to yeah totally and it's a kind of a weird thing that kind of makes sense at the same yeah. time <laughs> I mean, it's, it's easy to gravitate towards um, talking about how dodgy um, South America is because everyone says South America and you think oh that gun's violence mm. um, but really it has nothing to do with just going there it's all undercover mostly to do with the drug trade and as mm-hmm. long as you sort of keep away from that it's completely fine mm. yeah yeah. But that's like every time I think of South America like the first thing I think of like the jungles and yeah. all the, the ancient pyramids and stuff oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. all the like there's so much history in yeah. places like that it's thousands just, of thousands yeah of and there's like so many places that have, have like haven't been uncovered yeah mm. it's amazing and, and, and they still find places like every every single year they find a new ruin yeah just yeah, yeah, buried yeah. somewhere and I, I assume that you, you've also like not just the cities but you actually went to some ancient oh, places, yeah. yeah? Yeah, that was, like, one of the main things that we really wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. not going... Like, we went to the touristy ones and stuff, but we really wanted to, like, go to these hard-to-reach, like, not-as-excavated um, sites, which mm-hmm. we did. We went to heaps, and it's so impressive to see... To just, like, try to fathom that there was a civilization that built this and there was a whole city here of thousands of yeah. people. And just seeing, like, the certain things that they had grasps on, like... Um, astronomy mm. and you know like the way they would uh, drain water from the Alps and send it thousands of kilometers underground to a city you know mm. they had their own piping system they, Exa- yeah like, they, they had like everything everything was great and it was all done like no electricity obviously it was mm-hmm. just like the elements like gravity just everything was yeah. um, so sorted and we when we went to Machu Picchu we didn't realize but we went at the time of the year when um, on the solstice when the sun perfectly aligns with one of the temples yeah so like we sat there waiting for the sun to rise and the beam of light goes into this room and everything mm-hmm. just goes ding and Indiana Jones <laughs> showed up <laughs> yeah and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was so cool because I actually had such a good Indiana Jones hat yeah. I just felt so authentic that <laughs> well that, that's right I mean they they uh, a lot of their building techniques were based on the stars, like location-wise, yeah. like how many, you know, the angles and the degrees and stuff yeah. like that were, were all kind of like aligned to uh, connect, I guess, with what what's above us, which is yeah. the, the stars, right? Pretty much every single um, place we went to as well, like ruins had an observatory or something mm. that they believed was for worshipping the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the burial techniques and stuff and you know when they f- like the tombs and stuff they would bury with the people it was very spiritual and the, a mm-hmm. lot of the types of people that were back then like the Mayans and the Incas they were just so connected to the land mm-hmm. um, and it was it was really interesting to go to these places and learn the history of like when Spanish invaded and mm-hmm. the absolute mm-hmm. chaos that would have happened like these these people were probably the most civilised people in the world at the time and then just got destroyed like mm. in the click of a finger mm. well the, the Spanish rocked up on horses right yeah well they and they uh, like they actually thought that they were gods or because yeah. or, or, they had never seen 
someone on horseback, right? This yeah, is what well, I've read with my my limited Wikipedia knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Like yeah. they, these people wouldn't um, like the Mayans and the Incas. They didn't think that something else believed, like that something else existed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when these strange looking people came along with a different dialect and all these tools and stuff, they didn't know what to do about it. Yeah. Um, and no one honestly really knows if if they were trying to be friendly in the beginning. All they know is these civilizations got wiped out very quickly. Yeah. Mm. But now, was, <clears throat> were the, the Mayans and Incas around the same time as the Egyptians, or did they come later? Oh, I don't actually know. Because I always find it strange that, you know, in, in South America you've got, you know, the pyramids and stuff, as mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, they worship the stars. But at the, almost you could say pretty much the same time, or roughly about, on the other side of the world in Egypt, they were essentially doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing that how two places that are so distant from each other yeah had this same sort of idea well that's even relative to today like if if there's you know some breakthrough in um science or whatever someone will figure it out and then like simultaneously all across the world people will start Mm. finding out things Mm. related well yeah it kind of goes into that weird collective consciousness thing where are we really in charge or are these things slowly manifesting as part of our i don't know I wouldn't say destiny, but it's kind of encoded in our DNA, like, this is how it's going to unfold, and it just takes time. Like, you know, like, that idea that, like, even monkeys from different regions would learn, uh, like, how to make certain tools or Mm -hmm. stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and it's like, how, if they were separated with no communication, how are they synchronizing and finding out the same things at the same time? It's it's bizarre. It is fascinating. It's Mm. one of those, like, weird phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know, so, uh, do you know yeah. my biggest conspiracy theory? What? Gondwana land. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know how they, they say that back in the dinosaur times, that all the continents were one big continent on the side of the earth, and like yeah. the rest of the planet was water? Yeah. I reckon that's bullshit. Really? I reckon uh-huh. from, from stuff that I've read, the stuff that I've studied, is that the earth itself was actually smaller. It was like a lot smaller than what it was now, and it expanded. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at a time, continents were probably stuck together. But the like the circumference of the Earth was a lot smaller, mm. so as the Earth started to get bigger, that's where they started to break up. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Mm. If you compare like the drawings of the Earth today to decades ago, or even hundreds of years ago, it looks completely different. Yeah, I love yeah. old maps. Mm. That's well. Some I'd... people say they're more accurate. Even the ones that uh, that um, like the the stars and drawings of the Moon, like they were more accurate back then because yeah. they had more. Visibility in the sky because there were no cities, and yeah. I guess they were they were stare. All they had to do, like for years, was stare at the sky, and just draw it, like just yeah. every day. That's all they did. It's pretty cool yeah. to look into the history of people that looked into the skies first, mm. like how they thought that everything revolved around the Earth, and then there was the click where they realized that holy shit, we are not alone. Like yeah. this is a massive thing. Yeah, we're revolving around a blip in the sky. Yeah, and pretty much. But just oh, like um, like the old like Galileo and that that was able to essentially know what was out in space yeah. without having the technology to really see it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was literally just witnessing with your own eyes and like persistence and mapping it out by mm-hmm. hand, mm-hmm. which is something that I think would have been so hard to do just every day noticing like, okay, these stars are all together, but there's this one thing there that's sort of doing its own thing and yeah. you find out that it's a planet eventually. Mm. Like it's... 
yeah. Blows you, you, must, you must have had some good uh, night, night sky. Yeah, we actually went to, in Chile, we went to the place with Notorious for the clearest skies in the world. It's where some of the world's uh, best um, observation uh, telescopes and stuff are. But when we got there, it was cloudy for like <laughs> two weeks. And by the time the clouds went away, it was full moon. So we couldn't uh, see That's hilarious because we were just talking about that when you rocked up. It was like, why is it that every time I want to look at the sky or there's an event, yeah. it's fucking overcast? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's it a, a conspiracy. The, world, the world's against you. Well, yeah. <laughs> last night, um, Venus and Jupiter. They're very close, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're the closest that they will be like in relative in the sky in 2000 years yeah that you could literally like hold out your pinky finger and it would cover them cover them both yeah mm-hmm. but then the, the the pinnacle of that like it's been happening for a couple of weeks now mm-hmm. yeah but I've the pinnacle it. of it cloudy sky <laughs> yeah no no one's allowed to look at it well i was i was walking home from work when the, the sun had gone down um it was like two or three days ago and i saw that because um, my girlfriend had told me that they were close at the moment and I totally got the 3D effect where you've... I think it was... It's Venus, Venus and Saturn, right? Or is it Venus, Venus and, and Jupiter? And Jupiter. Yep. So you've got Venus, which is really bright, and then Jupiter in the back, and it was really close. Um, and I got that effect like, oh, my God, there's a planet that's close and it's really bright, and then there's one all the way over there, and here's the Earth and there's the moon. And I got mm-hmm. this huge, like... A three D effect of the sky that I've never really had before. Yeah. yeah. Where I had perspective and saw it as open space yeah. and a rock. Yeah, yeah. You kinda get that foreground, background feeling yeah. of, of depth. <laughs> yeah. How it's like yeah, yeah. Depth of field. I depth felt the field, yeah. solid depth of field. <laughs> <laughs> but the the one thing I love about looking at the night sky is every star that you see is essentially that a star. Like mm. a sun like our sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how many planets do we have roll we've got seven? Depends or, what they want to do with Pluto. Yeah, right? depends on Pluto. But yeah, so the amount of planets that revolve around our sun, and then you look at the night sky and how many suns are up there, mm-hmm. and then you have to think how many planets are up there. Yeah. It's yeah. just fucking And it gets amazing. to a point where your mind just like, yeah. I can't handle this anymore. Just stop. Mind shuts down. Back to yeah. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's That's cool. Yeah. I used to have a telescope. Um and when I, the first time I ever looked at Saturn and saw the rings, that was that's when it. I, that's weird. Yeah, my that's mind was weird. blown because I was mm. like, "Holy shit! There is a rock there with rings, and it's just there." And I'm looking at it real time. Well, mm-hmm. probably not real time, but you know, looking back in time at it for it, by it, a few yeah, days. Exactly. I don't know how yeah, did, yeah, how does that work? <laughs> how the fuck space works? It, take, <laughs> it takes eight minutes for this from the light from the sun to reach Earth. Yeah. Okay. So that's. It's bizarre when you see uh, Saturn through a telescope, though, right? Yeah. It, it almost looks like it's like pasted on, like a two D little ring. <laughs> You're like, there's, there's no, because it's so far away. Obviously, there's no depth, there's no spherical yeah. feeling to it. It just looks like a little sticker or something. And it's just yeah, floating it's just, there. It's yeah. st- stuck on the other end of the telescope. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> How long did you say it takes um, the rays of sun to reach Earth? Eight. About eight minutes. Eight, eight minutes. minutes. Yeah. Mm. I've always thought about this, like when on a real sunny day, when like. I see a shadow of my body and I go like that sun ray must be so pissed off to travel all that way for eight minutes and just to just to hit some guy and be like <laughs> shadowed <laughs> well the fact that you're thinking about it yeah. <laughs> the sun's probably like oh that that was our intention yeah. right He's well that's the, that's the most interesting thing about <laughs> starlight I mean this is probably a really generic thing to say but like some of those stars are thousands of light years away that's how long it's taken for that light to be visible mm-hmm. in your eye and the fact that that light has traveled that far and just met this tiny little blip on your eye mm. It's ridiculous, mm. Mm. and you, you, yeah. I think that that 
fascinates me too is is the the experience of being alive yeah how, was, how cheesy it, is that it was like actually, you know when, when you experience something like that you're like yeah no totally it's so actually, grateful, yeah. a couple of years ago um there was a star that went supernova so a star that exploded it happened must have been what 15 million years ago mm-hmm. and we saw it like a couple of years ago well, scientists saw it like a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. So small. But they I mean, don't we have... couldn't see it with naked eye, but yeah. Yeah, they'd tell us they could see it. But it happened, you know, 15 million years yeah. ago. It's like, fuck. <laughs> it's crazy. And like, yeah. It, yeah. And like, we don't, we won't know what's going on out there right now because it probably, the light hasn't reached us yet. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There was someone explaining to me not so long ago, I don't know the specifics, but if we captured, uh, if we ever saw through a telescope something going into a black hole we would constantly see a repetition because it would get stuck on the outside. Like there's a certain zone of a black hole where things just start to break apart. The event apart. horizon. <laughs> event yeah. horizon, that's what it is. Now, I, I love black holes. Yeah. And my, okay, okay <laughs> here right. we go. My, my favourite misconception of a black hole is it's not a hole. Mm-hmm. It's actually like a physical a dense, dense object. Matter, right? mm-hmm. And apparently, apparently, I'm not sure, don't quote me on this, but the, the black hole that's at the centre of our Milky Way galaxy... Is about the size of a tennis ball, mm-hmm. and it's like this the, a dense ball. It's got that much pull. Yeah, and it just pulls all. But yeah, the event horizon is essentially the point where the light it sort of like, it stays there. Yeah, it gets pulled and it just gets caught in this sort of like a, a not a halo, but like a, a sphere around the black mm-hmm. hole, like mm-hmm. a, a layer. There's a layer around that, mm-hmm. the black hole. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's wicked watching videos and things about what would happen if you go into a black hole. Mm. Yeah. Like someone watching someone go into a black hole, they would sort of get to the event horizon and then sort of go still. Yeah. And you'd see them as like just a static. Well, they'd be... Their physical object would be spread around the event horizon. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it like a smear of light, whatever. You could probably animate something trippy like that. Like yeah. basically the light folding and then things like glitching into a sphere but now the like, the the view of the person going into the black hole mm. if you if you were going towards black hole and someone was waiting you'd see them i don't know was it is it you turn into spaghetti or they turn into spaghetti <laughs> but something like that happens like you your your physical body gets pulled apart mm-hmm. and but still it doesn't slow down so the person watching someone go into the black hole, they see them stop, but you don't see things stop. You just yeah. see it's oh, it's fucking yeah. That's what <laughs> I was trying to put my finger yeah. on. Some like they said, if you're witnessing that moment, you would see a constant repetition of yeah, just yeah. this thing, just like glitching around. Yes, yeah, mm. but it'd be a totally different that. experience for the thing going inside. Yeah, the yeah. Hole. <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. why I think like a lot of people criticize this film, but Interstellar, that that movie, I think yeah. did a really great job of someone going into a black hole. Yeah, I think they. Really I like captured- that. I like the 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 fractals that happen. Like there was a lot of like psychedelic imagery, like yeah, the, going into. Definitely was, and I love how, uh, yeah, like you're saying, like as he gets pulled apart, there's just endless hallways of uh, time, polygon <laughs> shaped, and the fragmenting of yeah. sound mm. as well, which I really like. But definitely with the with the fractals, like the 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 spirals and mm-hmm. the the very kind of DMT. Mm. Yeah, and like how there's just endless corridors of potential and different avenue, like different. Um, choices that you can make, yeah. all laid out in front of you, like because time doesn't exist either. But, you know, everything mm. kind of. 
Did Interstellar go through a black hole or a wormhole? Because I can't remember. I think, I think it's a black hole. No, yeah. it has to be a wormhole because you can't go through a black hole because a black hole's not a hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was something. So this is why something. people criticize the film. They're like, yeah. Yeah. just but yeah, that, like <laughs> I, I mean, still the movie's amazing, and I love that idea. Mm. And then mm. just like. I don't want to spoil it. You've seen it? Yeah, I've yeah, seen you've it. You've seen it. So, yeah. Spoiler alert for people listening, but the point where he's, like, he's stuck in essentially what you call limbo. Yeah. And like every single point in time is laid out in front of him. Yeah. yeah. And so he can sort of like find and go yeah. to different points in time, which is fucking mm. amazing. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. he's like, he's he's become the, obser- the ultimate observer. Right? Yeah. And he can see his past life. Not only that, but manipulate his past mm. in that... It's like a, the control room of time, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he, can, he can alter anything in effect. See, that's where the film yeah. really, like, uh, annoyed me is I started thinking, like, well, how did it start originally? Well, that's, that's the thing. I think they, were, they, they were alluding from what I got from it that it was artificially constructed mm. by well, either humans how did... in the past or the future as, as, as some sort of, like, a... A backdoor, yeah. That's, that's that's what I got from. But it. how did reality begin? Oh my god! <laughs> so <laughs> we'll never know. The the Big Bang, right? Yeah. So two objects exploded, but they didn't exist before they exploded. So how could they explode if they didn't exist? Oh, I'm under the impression that I I think that whatever this is is breathing almost, and things are they expand and they suck back in, and it's this constant sh- mm-hmm. recurrence. Well, that that's the the great. I suppose one of the scientific worries about the universe is the fact that space expands, but it's speeding up as it expands. Mm-hmm. So it's getting faster. And then they talk about the great contraction or something where it gets to a point where it gets so far out that everything in space just starts going back in on itself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just essentially goes back in and explodes or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the end of the uh, simulation, right? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose time will tell. We won't be we won't be around to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe when we die that's where we go. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, I love you, you this guess, existential you on the <laughs> existential talk. <laughs> but um going back to I guess where like the places that you visited. Mm-hmm. Um did you Obviously, it was undeniable when you were in certain places that you could feel an energy. Definitely, like that. Like it's undis- like you you can't describe it because it's like you feel the history. You feel, but even geometrically, the way things are laid out, you're like, yeah, this is kind of symbolic of the construct of reality. Almost definitely like this is symbolizing every like even one perfect block or a cube is a representation of the perfection that was you know mm-hmm. needed to be attained mm-hmm. to to be self-aware and to build something that represents that that emotion like, yeah I, I bet you would have felt you know quite oh, spiritual there. many times almost the whole time like ev- especially some of the landscapes like you know the mountains mm. that was just super humbling in so many ways um the jungle bizarre bizarre place mm-hmm. um going down into like like the ruins and the caves everything like every single place which varies so much had had a feel about it Mm -hmm. um especially once you learn a lot of the histories and stuff and like sort of visualize all of that all of those things going because they were like they they were experimenting with like psychedelics and stuff mind you there's there's obviously that grim side where they were Cutting people's heads off, but yeah. let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Like they, they were so 
those ancient civilizations were so harmonious with the land, yeah. yet obviously there's a price. The other side of the coin is that they were kind of savage as well in their thoughts of, you know, yeah. killing people. Yeah, sacrificing. <laughs> or they had some kind of weird ideas about death and life mm-hmm. as well. I think, yeah, the Egyptians especially, like their entire existence was focused on the afterlife and where they would go yeah. after and they were so crazy about yeah, it was, mummies and it was raising the crazy dead coming to see, back like, the dead. Um, like we've, we saw a few um, corpses that were frozen because they were sacrificed you know on mountains and just been frozen in time of like six year olds that had to be offered to the gods mm. um, and it's just hard to imagine that that stuff actually happened but mm. the people were totally willing because to them it was for their god and they completely um, gave themselves away to what they worshipped. Yeah, the higher power, right? They, yeah. they would give their life for it, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it varies so much as well. Like, there were thousands of different tribes, especially yeah. in the jungle. And there's still tribes out there that we've never discovered, you know? Mm. Um, and the ayahuasca thing, like, we did the ayahuasca thing in Peru and we did it with an authentic shaman. Mm-hmm. Um, and learning the history of that and how they don't actually know the proper history of that, yeah. really. Um, well, they they claim that the forest told them. That, yeah, the plants that, yeah. talk to them, but they don't. They can't put a date or time. No, like no. Um, I read this really great um, text from a Spanish explorer when they when they were taking over Peru. Basically, he went out into the jungle and f- stumbled upon a tribe. The first time it was ever documented, um, seeing an ay- ayahuasca ceremony, mm-hmm. and to them it was the absolute witchcraft. Yeah. Like seeing what went down. It you would know? have seemed. I mean, there's chanting, there's yeah. incense, there's, you know, there's vomiting. Everything. It, it was just like walking <laughs> into chaos, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was a really interesting, like, little diary entry of yeah. of what happened. And that's, that's yeah, the first documented thing of ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, well, that was, so you actually, yeah, you took part in the ceremony yep. with, with other people. Yep. And they, they did the whole... It was completely, completely authentic. They had really amazing musicians. Um, it was done in complete darkness it was in the sacred valley which is um which you were talking about energies before it is this area where machu picchu exists in peru um which just has this crazy aura Mm -hmm. about it um it was the incan basically the incan capital of the world in that area so there's a lot of history there yeah um that's insane. So, so you didn't you didn't wake up married to some elder's daughter or something? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get married. Off. I don't think my skin was dark enough. <laughs> were there how many other participants were there? Um, at this specific one, there was quite a lot actually. Um, a lot of tourist people. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the one thing that really threw me off. But I I'd been tipped off by a guy who I met um, who was filming a documentary about ayahuasca. Mm. Um, with his mum because she went through post-traumatic stress so that he was making a documentary going through South America he had been to 50 odd um, and obviously this was my first time and I was like so where should I go it's my first time he pointed me towards this guy named Diego Riviera mm-hmm. no Diego Palmer sorry I was thinking of an artist yeah. um, so I went to him and it was like a little bit on the touristy side but it never took away from what experiences I had because he is an amazing shaman Okay, um, and the musicians and the helpers that he had around there were really good, and it was very reassuring. That's kind of their job, right? To really guide you through yeah. the experience. Yeah, because in- people have people have a rough time with yeah. it. Yeah, um, mm. there was a few people in our circle that really like couldn't 
couldn't face what they were facing or yeah. maybe they were facing it and they just didn't like what they saw yeah um well it's it's uh, essentially like uh dying yes you feel I think, like you don't i think yeah. that it is the closest to um, death. humans mm. can get to like the furthest away from your body that you can get without actually dying mm. so you just and you can feel it like it's this overwhelming surge of you leaving your body and going to this bizarre, crazy place and then snapping back into it being like, oh, wait, I've got a body. And you go straight back inside and it's mm. this constant flux of going in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, That's insane. Yeah. And it, like the music that was played, it was, they have medicine songs, like traditional medicine songs, and it was all done very authentically. Um, and the music was amazing, mm-hmm. like actually amazing. And what... Um, ayahuasca does to sound is super interesting because it, it chops it up and it sounds like it's swimming around your head and sound like a click would go yeah and sort of spin around your head hmm. um, so there was all this noise and sound and color and um, and then you get really deep into it and that's when all the the scary things <laughs> yeah. start popping popping their head in there <laughs> yeah I mean I've, I've I've read of people seeing you know, spiders, snakes, basically be like being swallowed whole yep. and dying. Like the, some people are convinced they have died. Yeah, well, I've, I had a there. I had a legitimate fear that I was dying. Like a hundred percent, I I had dealt with it. I was like, well, I've this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that itself was what made you think about like your life in general. You know? Yeah, that, I that, think I think that's almost the whole idea is to take you so close to death that once you come back from that you're never the same and you actually live your life accordingly well that's it and like i i started i was there with my girlfriend and a really good friend of mine and uh i think if they weren't there perhaps i would have gone deeper into it because all it took was for me to like somehow lean back and just like nudge into them and go oh guys i'm safe you know (laughs) yeah um but i had that fear of death um, and then I had that uh, I dealt with the fact that I was going You accepted it all. Yeah, yeah, I accepted it And then I really thought about Like, have I done every, everything that I, I really want to do? And Are you am ready I, am to I, go? Yeah, yeah, am I happy? And, you know, I was So I think for people that have had traumatic experiences It's in that moment that they they deal with their yeah, problems Exactly, yeah It um, puts it. Yeah, uh, people say it's basically... 10 years of therapy in yeah. one session because you, you're confronted with your problem head on yeah, and then you accept it and then you kind of, because you're so far out, it's like there's no way to not be scarred permanently yeah. by that experience and so it changes a lot of people for the better. Yeah, and it's one of the, like when you come back into normal consciousness, it's amazing how smooth it is mm. and you just sort of like come back in and you're like, wow. <laughs> wow, the en- engine's really good on this <laughs> <Yeah>. simulator. <laughs> Wow, you it's, can feel things. It was crazy. It was just like, I feel so normal. And I just went to this completely emotional, frightening, tormenting place mm-hmm. that made no sense. Yeah. And then there's the actual psychedelic side to it where, you know, like the sh- like very similar to DMT in a way, whereas everything's fragmenting and sound is going crazy. Um, but the thing about ayahuasca, I think, is that you feel this definite presence of something, which they call Mother Ayahuasca. Mm-hmm 
watching over you and I definitely felt it um, yeah when we were invited to chant along to some of the medicine songs I felt there was creatures all over me like whispering into my ears mm. and overlooking that was some sort of entity and it was very very dark yeah. and it was like just watching and making sure everything was a lot of people talk about that some people are convinced that's a real entity well that's and, and that's that, what they worship that's exactly yeah. yeah the only the only chance to to meet that entity is through that that yeah and that's why yeah <laughs> that's why i think that i i, I sort of wish i could have done it a few more times mm. um to really go and find that entity because yeah. i think i wasn't willing because it was my first time to actually confront it and see it mm-hmm. but i could feel that there was some dark presence there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, like can anyone get so deep like and enjoy that sort of the out of experience that they don't want to return to their I don't think their so. Their body sort of thing. No, I, don't, I think it's... it's or that they're the ones that end up, like, on the streets. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a recorded case of, like, death or anything from ayahuasca itself or people being mentally scarred by it. In fact, it's probably the opposite, you know? Like, mm. people come out of it completely, like, have, having dealt with whatever yeah. their problem mm. was, and that's why people go and do it. Mm. Um, there was a lot of people there that I talked to afterwards that were there because of like some tormenting event that happened in their life or some emotional mm-hmm. thing they wanted to deal with. Um, like a girl from New Zealand, it was her 16th time in the same place or something, and she was like, I think I'm getting there. You know, <laughs> yeah. like she was really obviously had something that she needed to yeah. figure out. Yeah, well, uh, at, at the end of the day, it's different people battling with their own minds yeah. and their own issues. So I, I assume that there would be varying rates of yeah. progress, right? Some people get it all over in one session, some people yeah, need for 10. Sure. See, for me, I was just putting my foot in the in the water. Like, I just wanted to see what it was all about. Mm. Um, but I would definitely go and Again. do it, like, many, yeah. many, many times, especially, um, especially with this guy. I think he was so good at um, making you feel okay yeah. Um, and like just seeing what he did to some of the people that were truly having a bad time because they drink with you as well so they're totally in the same position um, and they somehow figure out they've done it so much that they can like help you out whilst also being in their, their well, place that, yeah that's kind of their job right like they they've they know that area that yeah. state of mind so well that yeah. they're almost like spiritually gu- like showing you the door definitely and guiding you through it and they, they they've been there like Maybe hundreds of times, right? Yeah, well, like, depending on the amount of sessions. Diego was saying that he did it once every week for the last, no, twice every week for the last fifteen or sixteen years. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can you can imagine. And he was like probably the wisest man. Like he he just spoke everything that came out of his mouth sounded poetic and like really heartfelt and deep. Right, yeah, he's one of those sort of people. There's a lot of stories as well. Uh, just quickly before we have a break. Um, wow, we've gone an hour. That's insane. <laughs> but um, there, there, there's a lot of talk about shared experiences where people who are in the same room feel that they are connected. They're actually sharing the visions themselves. Yeah. Like a lot of people come out and go, I saw this. And the, the person next to them will be like, I yeah. saw you seeing that. Like we were all there together. <laughs> well, I think that's like. the huge thing about the 
the music as well mm. and when you get invited along to chant it's this strange thing that happens like you feel like you know what the song's going to do and everyone sort of gets mm-hmm. in there and you, yeah. there's, there was so many moments where I really felt this together togetherness and then you'd get sucked back out into mm-hmm. your own head and then come back and you're like oh I'm still in the circle like yeah mm. so just quickly what what instruments did they actually use um there was lots of traditional um like basuri like flute like mm-hmm. andean flutes and stuff Chan- like that. chanting obviously um, lots of chanting. Yep. Um, they would use like leaves as shakers, like on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly just like um, just traditional uh, like charango guitar mm-hmm. um, over like you know a lot of communal type chants. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard one um, on the internet, and it's just bizarre. Like even if you're not taking it and you just listen to it, yeah, you're like, holy shit, this is weird. Yeah, like, because like even the the tempo of the drums is supposed to put you into yeah because when you hear repetition it gives you that hypnotic state right yeah, and yeah. that's apparently supposed to help you when you're in that other realm when you can just hear the pulse yeah it's supposed to just ground you a it bit it definitely so affects don't... what's going on in your mind as well mm. like um there was a lot of percussion um like drums and as soon as that would change up on you yeah you would just get sucked into a different world and silence was usually where people would purge because you'd be in having this like expansive experience to music and then then it would just stop and then that's when most people just feel this like overwhelming surge and that's when all the purging tends that's, to happen. That's when they yak, yeah. 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 It's just making me think of a Pink Floyd concert. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what the moral of the stories do. Are we Asuka? And I, not are us? you Asuka? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I honestly think that it's worth doing uh, no matter how used to psychedelics or, you know, if you've done it before or if you haven't even touched it before. Mm-hmm. For every single person, I think it would be completely amazing to see every single person in the world do it and see what Beneficial. would come out of it. I actually mm. think... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not going to heal everything, but I think a lot of people would benefit from that perspective change. Definitely. Uh, whether, I don't know. I think it, it, you're faced to deal with yourself. Uh, yeah. You're forced to deal with yourself. Yeah. And kind of how you um, treat others, I think. Yeah, it expands well. your consciousness empathy. and it makes you question what this is. Mm. And I think that's that's the most important thing about Yeah. Yeah, I know. I meet those people all the time. Yeah, they you know they they seem so sure of themselves. They seem so concerned, like so conservative about everything. And I just think, man, you just need one good trip. Yeah, <laughs> just just to like just to just to show you the way. Yeah, <laughs> show yeah, you the yeah. Path. Just to, just a little bit of self doubt is great mm-hmm. because then you're forced to to I guess be objective and think mm-hmm. like outside a little bit and be yeah. like, well, how am I affecting this and what do I really want and Am I being that? Am I being a good person? Yeah. Like even just that is is just insane. Um, but you brought an instrument. I did. Which I reckon we should get Sam to like hit it for like five minutes when we come back. Okay. That's <laughs> fucking good. awesome. What, what's it called? It's called a. Well, traditionally it's called a hang. Um, just the hang. Hang. Yeah. H a n g. H a n g. Okay. Uh, it's been around for fifteen years. So it's not really that traditional. What's, what's its country of origin? Switzerland. Switzerland. Oh, okay. um, but it's starting to take many molds, and there's so many different names depending on who made it. So it comes under the umbrella as handpan. Okay. Very uh, <laughs> creative name. Handpan. I'm keen, I'm keen to hear it. They don't sell it at Cosmic, do they? No. no. <laughs> you can't get this. Very hard. Forge in the mountains of Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll uh, we'll come back and we'll we'll do another half hour or something. Beautiful. Awesome. You're listening to Mission Control. 
I never thought a UFO could sound so amazing. Yeah. That was very good. Thank you. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. So Thank what you. what's it made out of? Is it just straight uh, steel? It's a combination of a whole bunch of different metals and every single person that knows how to make it, which is only a handful in the world, does it completely differently. So it's there's no real formula yet. So like do different ones sound different or do they all mm-hmm. sort of have a they're very similar in a way, but they have total different sound qualities and you can get them in different shapes and sizes and a whole bunch of different notes. So they were only invented 15 years ago, so they're still very much in the developmental stages. That's amazing. I didn't realize it had so many notes. I knew it would be percussive. I knew it would have notes, but not that melodic. That's yeah, well, that's, that's the thing that really surprises people because they see it and they do not expect the sound. That yeah, I just out of it. expected like someone hitting a frying pan or something. <laughs> yeah. right? but it, has, has, it reminds me of that Caribbean bowl yeah. thing as well. Yeah, it's like a combination between like a Jamaican steel drum and like a, those Tibetan singing bowls, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, That's insane. Obviously, now you can understand why it's people gravitated towards it when I was busking around the mm. world. Yeah, yeah. No, because that like it, it was so melodic and you actually had like bass notes under it you actually mm-hmm. had a structure yeah there was actual dynamic to it yeah and uh there was that percussive element of just hitting yeah just that's that why it sound. is actually the most perfect instrument in the world <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah oh that's yeah you don't need anything else nah. you don't need like someone else over the top or someone nah. behind it super yeah. intuitive as well like yeah. most people every single person that jumps on it like has this their own way of playing it which is great yeah yeah you just remember the 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 yeah, it's what, all about what areas make patterns. Like, yeah, I patterns. just think of it in, in patterns, and you work out which notes work well together, and then figure it out from there. Mm, that's insane. So you do originally play drums. Yeah, originally so, drums. But so the the rhythm part came quickly, but to learn how to piece the notes together and actually work out a piece for it is is quite intense. Like it took a quite like you know thirteen months of busking around the world to figure <laughs> it out. That's <laughs> nice. So uh, that that was like one particular tune. That's in sort your... of like um, that's a bit of it's like my busking loop that I do and I can like make it longer and shorter but I generally just go around in circles on that um, and maybe change up the tempos yeah, a bit cool. as well um, the the grand scheme it takes about three years to get one of these things so I eventually want to have three um, so I can cover every single note on a keyboard so I can actually like start writing proper songs yeah okay you could, could you maybe use multiple like have three around you yeah on, totally on, yeah. as long as the notes you figure out which notes work well together and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that there's only one guy well there's a, there's a lot of good players in the world but there's one guy in particular that I, I love exactly for that he uses three um, he plays drums for Bjork and writes a lot of pieces um, with the London Symphony Orchestra who works around him. So he's he's an absolute prodigy on the instrument. And it's, he's, he's the, his name's Manu Delago. He's the only person in the world that I think has this true potential with the instrument taking it to the next level. Yeah. It seems like you can do so much with that. Yeah. Could you hit it with... Um, no, I guess it's designed to, for your hands, right? It's designed for your hands. You can hit it with, uh, like, mallets, yep. but you'd want to be real careful because as soon as... You dent it, something. Yeah, if yeah. you dent it or if you pull one side of it out of tune, the, the rest of it's affected because it's one piece of vibrating metal. Yeah. Wow. I actually find it strange because it, it's a fairly recent instrument. It is. And I find yeah. it so strange because so many like, new instruments these days are trying to do all technology and yeah. computer exactly. stuff and then to find something that's just a piece, a of, metal. piece of metal. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> most people think it's like an ancient Buddhist thing. Um, yeah. yeah. 
It's like it got a really interesting story because the people that invented it was were metal artists, so they originally made it as a piece of art, singing steel, um, and it's sort of with the first instrument to become viral on the internet just from videos and stuff, and it's taken its own toll, really. Mm. Um, Man, but that yeah, it definitely cool. seems like an ancient instrument. Mm. It seems, yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, yeah, that's definitely got to be like a couple of hundred, <laughs> maybe a thousand years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, what, uh, what's what's it made of? Like brass? Well, it's yeah, as I said before, it's like a combination, um, yep. and it's also a lot to do with the the way that the metal's heated when it's being hammered into place. And, mm-hmm. So and there's, there's so much involved. Yeah, definitely some craftsmanship behind. Oh, right? completely! Yeah. Like it's it's very hard to pull off. Hundreds of people have tried and really failed. I think there's only, in my opinion, there's only like six or seven people that pull it off to the the quality like to the standard that it's actually a quality instrument wow that's great you ever thought about bringing that into the studio um i laying, laying down some tracks i've been thinking <laughs> i've been thinking a lot about doing an album a solo album yeah right? my own thing um with a whole bunch of weird instruments that have the same effect um just sort of like trans transcendental uh ambient sort of stuff yeah or maybe just recording a few loops and handing it to people that I really appreciate musically mm-hmm. and letting them do whatever they want to it and seeing what happens when other people have it in their hands. Yeah, yeah. Put it up on the net and yeah. s- sell the out. Like have like just really long seven-minute tracks yeah. or something. And I do want to get rid of the niche. Um, like people see it, especially when you busk with it, that it's like this hippie... Mm-hmm. Um, instrument, you know, like I really want to push the boundaries with it. As I, as I said before, Manu Delago is the only guy in the world that I think is really trying to do that. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it goes really well with you know electronics because it looks it looks so easy when you when you when you're playing it. Yeah, it doesn't look easy. Not look easy at all. I think well, the, the the ease in which you were playing it makes it look look easy. So I guess yeah, well, pe- people on the outside they'll be like, oh, he's just hitting the thing, right? But it, there's actually... I think it's, yeah, I think it's that whole simplicity of it. Mm. It's just an object and then you just hitting with your hands. There's yeah, nothing, and it's nothing so, else involved. It's so organic and I think that's the that's the thing that people really appreciate about the instrument is that it is literally like vibrating metal mm-hmm. making a tone. Yep. Um, and it has this real authentic organic feel about it. Yep. Don't need anything else. No, it doesn't need a lead or an yeah. amp or like. And it, it's just... it's definitely sings like if you if you play in the right sort of place, um, like tunnels or whatever, it just carries. Mm. Mm. Yeah. The yeah definitely because it's essentially vibrating. Yeah. Harmonies and yep. yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I was actually I've um, the the Man of Steel Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the soundtrack uh, there's a, a video you can find like a feature of the score and everything is a natural metallic kind of yeah instrument mm-hmm. like got a, a metal door with like this a steel who, who violin did the soundtrack bow. Hans Zimmer Hans Zimmer um, he composed mm-hmm. but there's uh, another guy I can't remember his name that has like this warehouse of instruments and it's just metal objects like yeah. metal pipes Swords. and things and just yeah, yeah, yeah all I, just I, that sort I of I think I might have seen something to do with mm-hmm. that guy he's like a he started out as a foley artist and he just used to you know like make horse hoof sounds with mm. like metal mm-hmm. against something in his studio you know I, I find that stuff fascinating yeah it's um, just the, the yeah. organic sound of just, yeah yeah. Or just like playing a bow on a piece of metal or something, yeah. getting that, that yeah. harmony, resonating, that resonating sound. Yeah. sound. And it's yeah. so nice to be able to do something musical without having to amplify. Um, mm. Because, you know, sometimes when I busk, I get really annoyed at people that are just singing, you know, like standard covers and like turning it up way too loud. Um, nothing unique about it, really. And 
this this thing is just I, I really love the the feeling that it gets when people actually stand around you and get immersed in the basically the vibrations mm-hmm. that it's putting out and it's very non like you could that that's a perfect background for any kind of scenery right yeah it, it, it's not very uh, it's, it's not intrusive not, yeah it's not non intrusive it's yeah. not going to hit you in the face but it works perfectly in the background yeah if you're hanging out and having a coffee or something totally yeah totally that's insane. Um, so I want to get to you're playing with Katie Steele now. Yeah. So yep. you're h- how long has that been happening? Um, that's been happening for about one month, pretty much. I've only played one show with her, mm-hmm. um, which is bizarre for me because I used to listen to Little Birdie when I was in high school, yeah. and it just doesn't make sense that I'm playing with her. But yeah. Um, yeah, a friend of mine mentioned my name to her, and she gave me a go, and she liked it. So okay, so that's pretty cool. It's not nice. for, for me. It's not something that. Um, will take up heaps of my time so it's it's like really amazing like she'll just tell me when it, there's a show and then mm-hmm. we'll do rehearsals and go do it so. that hey that 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 to me works sometimes a lot better yeah when, when there's a clear understanding of where you sit and yep. when you're needed and yeah. no, no times really there's no digging around really yeah it's exactly just, yeah. and i mean like i really appreciate her as an artist as well um because i think she's got a very unique voice and um her new album that she's got recorded is definitely ready for mass population so it's it's exciting but there's still part of me that is searching for my own thing your own thing yeah Yeah. i know how it is yeah yeah that's how i think that's uh especially especially true with drummers i think yeah we're kind of uh nomads right yeah we are (laughs) just jump to whatever's available yeah like like, yeah it's like seeing which trains are going all right i'll take that one yeah on that one see where where that goes yeah yeah since i've been back i've been pretty selective you know like i've had a few offers and stuff but i've i burnt myself into the ground before i went traveling because i was playing just for way too many bands and mm-hmm. stuff and I, I really just want to do something that I'm completely proud of mm-hmm. and want to be doing yep 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 uh, yeah I, rem- I remember you all the way from Blood Days uh-huh. yeah and um, I've been with you on stage once and I've seen you at Laneway in the Spiegel Tent mm-hmm. as well play um, I think someone was I, I think all of you were dressed up in weird costumes yeah I think that, I was wearing like a goblin mask or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think Rob was wearing like a, a chicken, chicken a chicken was suit a, a full yeah he was, he was a chicken <laughs> he, looked, he looked like Big Bird or something yeah. he was on the stage <laughs> that's insane um, so your you, next show would it be Big Sound or um, Big, stuff big Sound for now um, I've, I'm possibly doing a bunch of fill-in stuff mm-hmm. um, I've been playing with Amber Fresh in Rabbit Island whenever she has things I've recorded on an album cool and I did some recording with Nick Albrook as well from Pond um, for a French perfume commercial so a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I've been doing has been sort of behind the scenes yeah no, that's um, good that's good that's really good that's yeah. good that you you have the network to kind of yeah it's, to, it's to really it's, well. it's actually super humbling that I came back and people were still interested you know I thought, <laughs> I, thought I would just be completely off the radar but um yeah, I'm I'm very ready to be part of something that I think is interesting and new. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think it's manifested itself. Yeah, something that really defines you as a yeah. as a creative person. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. I don't want to be playing like rock and roll drums anymore. You know, like thrashing mm. around. I want to like push the boundaries a little bit. And do mm. something. Do something strange. Yeah, something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, well, that was a, an amazing one hour fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did we want to touch on anything else? Did, um, I've got nothing coming. I've got a gig on the 4th. 
yeah uh with fate and that's oh, that, third yeah that's saturday right that's saturday there's all yeah is unfortunately there's like a lot of really good gigs on this saturday so, is there yeah i think french rockets will be around the corner at jimmy's den uh-huh. uh launching their new album called okay. arc and, and there's a couple of other things as well I'm i sure. live so close to that area now that i can just stroll on by to anything which, yeah. is, which is great but i was thinking about coming down on saturday because it's um Mount Mountain and uh, May Sarah's one. Yeah, see, I, have, I still haven't seen Mount Mountain. I've just heard mm. their name. Every, and May is just, especially if she plays with her full band, mm-hmm. it's just incredible it's to always, watch. Yeah, always good, yeah. Br- bring your uh, little U- metal UFO. Yeah. <laughs> you can come up on stage. And <laughs> Never seen Fate as well, so I think it's, um, yeah, I've got to, might, might come on down. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always loved the bird. It's, it's very cozy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you're going to be uh, writing stuff with Manny? Uh, yeah, uh, over the weekend, I stayed at his place and we had the, the Pro Tools running, a nice. few guitars yeah. set up and just sort of wrote yeah. some tunes. Use a very basic drum drum programming thing, just yeah. put some loops on it and just drink yeah. some beers and <laughs> write some <laughs> yeah. tunes. Yeah, muck around. Yeah. But I'll, I'll probably be going off the grid this weekend, so I might not be joining you guys. Where are you going? Camping? Uh, going down south. Yeah. Uh, uh, folks got a house down there and a big-ass telescope. Oh, nice. And so yes. hopefully Perfect. the Venus and that is still up in the sky for a bit longer. And yeah. Well, hopefully the, the skies are actually clear down south. Yeah, hopefully mm. by the weekend it might clear up a bit. We'll mm. see how we go. Yeah, definitely. How exciting! I've been ha- I've been having urges to get out into away from the city recently. Yeah, as well. Mm. Uh, Was it reconnect? <laughs> yeah, reconnect with the earth. Um, the, the weekend just just passed. I was up in Yanchip, which is what is about an hour's drive out of the city. And I remember the days when that place used to be quiet and there was nothing around, mm-hmm. and now it's just a big built-up sort of city area. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the urban expanse is yeah, yeah. spreading. <laughs> We're like I a know. fucking disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty soon, like all those areas will be pretty built up. Mm. Like it'll just be other towns. It won't be going down south. It'll just be like, oh, I'm just going down to that town. Yeah, because it's like mm. all built up. That's insane. Well, uh, good luck, man. Thank you. Hopefully, this isn't the uh, last time that we have a chat that was really, I'm, I'm sure there's like shitloads more we could t- talk about I'm sure there is <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll do a prequel in a, in a few months time yeah <laughs> when we've uh, accumulated more life experiences <laughs> wait a prequel no a sequel a sequel prequels yeah. before right or maybe yeah. we can b- go back in time and <laughs> 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 uh, we'll go back in time to before you had that UFO <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you just get sucked into the black hole <laughs> awesome thanks so much sure, yeah, um, thanks a lot Sam for thank you guys yeah thanks we might do, I don't know if we're going to do one before this Saturday but who knows we'll see what happens yeah yeah, we'll work something out awesome thanks Sam <laughs> no worries right, cheers <laughs>